In 2017, Ohio Humanities awarded a grant to Ohio University's College of Osteopathic Medicine to capture the voices from Ohio's opioid epidemic. The project produced a book, website, and public programs. The anthology, entitled Not Far From Me and published by the Ohio State University Press, includes poems, essays, and memoirs from Ohioans who daily confront the outcomes of opioid addiction recovering addicts, family members, teachers, first responders, and civic leaders. The anthology will be used for a series of public programs to help communities across the state explore the epidemic and the ways in which they can solve the complex problems created by drug use. With me today are the project directors, Berkeley Franz, who is an Ohio University sociologist whose research focuses on community-based philosophy and narrative medicine, and Daniel Skinner, an assistant professor of health policy at OU's College of Osteopathic Medicine, who uses the humanities to explore the politics of medicine and disease. In this podcast, we'll consider a poem from the anthology, Walking Past Abandoned Houses, I Think of Eric, written by Barbara Costa Biggs, who lives in Portsmouth, First, let's listen to the poet. Walking past abandoned houses, I think of Eric. This poem wanted to start in a condemned house, so I took a walk to show the poem this town and asked, which one? The poem shrugged. Shattered windows rendered black. No flicker of blue aquarium television light. Fast food wrappers and altar piled on the porch. A small pink running shoe, hole worn in the sole, stuck in a chain link fence. Fifteen years ago, while I was drinking flat beer in a dive bar, my friend Eric died after getting high from a transdermal oxycodone patch. He wrote poems I will never forget. How he found his mother dead, her fingers gnawed to bone by rats. His glasses always broken, crooked, taped, his cheeks and arms scabbed. This poem can't imagine. It wasn't this house, but probably one like it, peeling clabbered, busted plumbing. This town smells burned out, and the burning no longer comes from the foundry or the coke plant or the steel mill. We are falling in on ourselves, shooting heroin into our veins. These houses, Empty of furniture, food, clean clothes, laughter, shampoo, are helpless. Their dirty glass eyes, begging to see something other than broken smokestacks, shoes strung on power lines. The ears that heard hooves on the brick that sleeps under pavement are long gone. There was no Narcan for Eric, and no Narcan for wrecked Greek revivals. Berkeley Daniel, thank you for joining me today. Um, let's dive in and, and unpack these verses a little bit. This poem appears in the first section of the anthology, which you're calling Establishing Place. And I'm wondering, what is the narrator telling us about place in this poem? Well, I, one of the things that was really important to us in putting together this collection, and I think this poem embodies, is just describing 
Ohio, describing the places we live in. That was one of the motivating factors that we had in thinking about this project in the first place was the idea that we were talking about crisis and epidemic and these large concepts, but that sometimes we were losing the kind of walking down the street, living in a home, sitting in a space, in a school um, that is really required to be humanistic about an issue like what Ohio has faced with opioids. So you know, that's one, one thing I love about this poem on a just sort of 50,000-foot level is just the way it focuses us on very specific things. The writer shares with us a little bit of information about Eric, a friend who, quote, wrote poems I will never forget, end quote. How does Eric fit into this place, this landscape? One of the things I really like about this poem is that it really it engages memory. And so, as Dan was saying, you, you get all these interesting um, depictions of place and, and in this town, you kind of get an idea of what it looks like now, but also what it may you know, have looked like in the past. And so you have those kind of shared memories. Um, and that's how I think Eric fits into this landscape of despair, because Eric's also gone, and this memory of a town as it once was is also gone. And so you have this identity of a town that it's hard to kind of separate from its past um, both because people are, are missing, but also because, you know, jobs are missing, and there's a whole kind of um, transition that's taking place in many Ohio communities. The, the poem ends with a, what I consider to be a rather hopeless observation. There was no Narcan for Eric and no Narcan for wrecked Greek revivals. What do you think the poet is trying to convey with these two lines? You know, well, on a very literal level, and I have to admit, I'm not a huge poetry person in thinking about this, and I don't have any shame in saying that. But I love poetry, and I, I love the sort of things that it evokes for you. But at a very literal level, I mean, Narcan is just an issue in our state that right now, and we have a few pieces in the book that actually address this quite directly. Who? In Ohio, we have a few sheriffs, for example, or a few law enforcement officers and, and leaders who have drawn lines on Narcan, you know, no more than three times of a revival. And obviously, there's a play on revival here as well. Um, but who, who, who's going to be the person to tell a parent, I'm sorry, that was the fourth time? And we have some contributors to the book who... In, uh, sheriffs in particular, law enforcement in particular, say, I'm not going to be that person. If we have something, we should be able to use it for people and let go of all the other moralize and let go of all the other judgment and just save people if we have the ability to do so. And I think that in this case, you just have this imagery that's just showing that there's a lot of detritus in the past. There's a lot that's been left in the wake of all this, just like history leaves a wake behind it. Berkeley, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, what I really like about this last sentence, even though it is you know, somewhat hopeless um, in terms of um, not being able to bring, bring things back, is that 
Narcan's an interesting metaphor because it's a medication and the generic name is naloxone that it seems to bring people back almost instantly. It's almost miraculous. People just kind of wake up immediately after being um, you know, nearly dead from overdose. And that's an interesting metaphor that's very different than towns, right? Because some of these towns probably can't be bring, brought back in their entirety and it certainly can't be brought back quickly. So I think it's an interesting kind of comparison that um, she's making here between you know, an individual being brought back from the throes of death and a community that's near death and, and won't likely ever be the same again. But there's some hope in that because I think just talking about this and, and works of art and stories are a really important part of starting to, to figure out where people can go from where and how communities can begin to rebuild, even if they look quite different than they probably did before. And that leads into my last question. Um, the opioid epidemic in Ohio is so huge. And as I have listened to your colleagues today, I sense that there's a, a certain level of frustration about how to, to deal with this. And behind frustration is the question of hope. Is there hope for us to solve this epidemic? And is there hope for people like Eric that, as you said, they can be brought back, they can be saved? You know, one of the things that we talked about that led to this project was exactly that the narrative sometimes dries up. You can talk about something all the time, but be talking in circles. And we wanted to see if we could push through to what I like to talk about is hard questions or the, the rough spots of the conversation. Um, to me, that's, that's the most important thing. And we, you're referring to um, what we just heard were several clinicians talking about these issues. And there's a lot of exhaustion. There's a lot of frustration. But what we were hoping to do in this project is not to just fix this problem, but something that Berkeley and I share, and we've talked about quite a bit, is we, we really believe that our state could actually become a better place through this on the other side, that it's not just about fixing a problem, but it's also about fixing us, about realizing we're not going to, again to Eric, we're not going to recover what we lost exactly, um, but we do need to think about what next and what that looks like. In a, in a really uh, direct way. And I think that once we let go of this idea that we're going to get back things, we can actually start to think about how we can become better the next time we encounter something like this. And I would just add to that, you know, it depends on what you're asking in terms of is this a hopeless situation. So I think we have a lot of evidence that people do recover from addiction. We have great treatment, you know, services. We've heard about that today. And that's important to remember is that we just need to make these available to people and we need to remove some of the stigma, you know, away from addiction that's been there um, historically. But the question I think also has to become... Um, is the larger you know, social context of Ohio a hopeless situation? I think we know there are a lot of factors that lead to addiction and lead to kind of community collapse, and I think that's what we need to be working on. And I don't think it's hopeless, but I think it's more complicated, and I think it's going to involve a lot of difficult conversations um, and people talking about things that they haven't really been comfortable doing in the past. And so I, we hope that these stories are you know, enough and they're engaging enough that, that people will want to talk about this issue and, and really consider other people's experiences and their perspectives across the state. If I can just put a plug in for Please. the humanities, I, mean, I just want to add. Please do. You know, there are a lot of people looking for, and of course, this, we all do this. We want the easy, like, what can we do to solve this and then get on with it? And I think one of the things that we recognize in this moment and we're trying to emphasize, and our contributors have really in the book and also the conversations we're going to have um, moving forward, recognize the complexity of it, that this is actually an opportunity to acknowledge just how many factors there are to this. 
but also that this is not just a matter of, I mean, yeah, pharmaceutical companies maybe need to answer for it, distributors, physicians. There's any number of people we can point fingers at. But really what we have is a complex social phenomenon that only really the humanities can actually fully help us to account for. And I think that's one of the exciting parts about the storytelling aspect of this. I thank you for your work. I agree with you that the humanities does have a role in helping Ohio cope with this and solve this problem. Thank you for joining me today. On behalf of Ohio Humanities, I'm Pat Williamson, and you've just engaged in a real conversation about real issues.